to Thread and Roses, a podcast dedicated to discovering intersections between fashion, ecology, and consumerism. I'm Erin Schulenberg, your host, a recent textile and fashion design graduate from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Welcome to episode four, everybody. This week's episode is going to focus on alternative fibers that are disrupting the fashion industry. So first, I want to talk to you guys about natural versus synthetic fibers, because those are really the two most common, I guess, categories of fibers in the industry currently. And then we can get into these innovative textiles that are really busting through the market and kind of changing the game for the way we view textiles. And lastly, I wanted to get into a little bit about why science rules, because I've discovered a lot of textiles, fabrics that involve bacteria and also living materials. So I want to just touch on two that I did a little research on that I think are really interesting, but I do want to dedicate later an entire episode to more of these like science-based textiles because I think the intersection between science and fashion is really, really interesting. And obviously you can't have these other textiles without talking about science because textile science is such an integral part to all of this, but I think it's it's interesting how really connected these two different industries are and we should not always view them as completely separate entities because they're extremely linked and it's really awesome to see that connection. So we'll dive right in. First, I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, so natural and synthetic fibers. Natural fibers, I'm sure you guys know some of them are are things that are that come from nature or plants and animals. Um, so, you know, that's your cotton, your linen, come from flax, and then you have like your wool and cashmere and silk that come from, you know, different types of animals. Synthetic fibers, on the other hand, are obviously man-made fibers, and those include things like polyester, nylon, acrylic, acrylic. They start from plastic or petroleum, so they have to be kind of sent through this process in order to become yarn, which will then in turn become fabric. I wanted to talk about the benefits and disadvantages of both natural and synthetic fibers because not any fiber is perfect, but some are definitely better than others. Uh, So I read this study that basically showed the environmental impacts of natural and synthetic fibers kind of lumped into one holistic chart, and it was broken down by greenhouse gases, water usage, wastewater, direct land use, and energy use. So obviously, in terms of energy use, synthetic fibers didn't do so hot in that category since they're completely man-made and manufactured. So the entire process is a crap ton of energy use. So there you have your synthetic fibers really kind of losing that battle. But in terms of water usage, synthetic fibers can actually be really great at reducing water usage just because because they're manufactured, that whole process can be controlled a little bit more than for say, if you're making or producing cotton, which uses a ton of water. So at the top of that list, you saw more of your natural fibers. Uh, There's some synthetics that also waste a lot of water, but in general, it takes a lot more water to produce a t-shirt than it would to produce a t-shirt made of a synthetic material. Um, In terms of greenhouse gases, synthetic materials were also worse just because they're not naturally found here on Earth. So being produced is going to create more pollution and environmental impact on on the planet. 
In terms of direct land use, wool, which actually is tends to be greatly beneficial and has very, very low environmental impact, wool takes up a lot of direct land use. Now, I don't necessarily see that as a negative, but I think it's something to think about. And obviously, there's ways you can work around that, but it, it, it is interesting to see kind of how these different fibers impact uh, the environment and the things around them in different ways. So that's just a little background on natural versus synthetic fibers. Obviously, we wear both of them. I have plenty of cotton in my closet. I also have a lot of blends that are synthetic and natural fiber blends, like poly cotton blends and poly cotton and spandex. So just take a look at your wardrobe and see kind of what you're wearing. And it's it's definitely a personal choice what you decide to wear. And sometimes we don't even think about it. We just buy something because we like it. And then we happen to see what the material is later, but both natural and synthetic fibers can be really great. They, you know, they have different properties and different reasons why we wear them. So it's just something to consider. So now that we have a background on natural and synthetic fibers, I want to go into some of these innovative fabrics that are really disrupting the market in the fashion industry currently. So the first one I wanted to talk to you guys about is called Pinatex. So Pinatex is a innovative natural textile made from pineapple leaf fibers, which is incredibly awesome because, uh, hello, it's a fruit and now we're turning it into a textile. That's amazing. So basically, um, what I was reading about Pinatex is that these leaves are basically a byproduct of existing agriculture and also using them creates an additional income stream for the farming communities that have these bike products, which is incredible because it's not only creating a textile, but it's also helping communities and helping, you know, environments flourish. So basically it's, it's a natural, sustainably sourced, cruelty-free material. You don't find a lot of those. So that is amazing. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the process as well, because this is really an alternative, you know, to mass produced leather and polluting synthetic materials. So being able to offer this like this company is, it's absolutely a better choice um, for the future and for now. So the process for how basically this pineapple leaf is then created into a textile is they take these long fibers from these pineapple leaves and they extract them through a process called decortication, which is done at, at where, at where these families farm. And the company that really founded this material is called Anana Sanam. And they developed this first automated automated uh, decorticating machine to assist with this process. So they're really building technology to assist this textile development, which, so you have this technology being built as well as this textile being developed. So you're really like moving forward in two different directions, which is absolutely incredible. Basically, this allows farmers to utilize greater quantities of their waste leaves instead of wasting even more material. And then once these leaves have been stripped of the fiber, the leftover biomass can be used as a nutrient-rich natural fertilizer or biofuel, so then absolutely nothing is wasted from this process, which is um, absolutely amazing. The fibers then after that, they'll get degummed and undergo, undergo a process to become a non-woven mesh, which forms the base of this textile basically. 
And then these rolls of this non-woven mesh material are transported for a specialized finishing, which will then give this Pinatex kind of like its leather-like appearance, which creates a textile that is really soft and flexible, but really, really durable. And, and then from there, this textile is then distributed from the company Ananas Anam, and it can be used as a sustainable alternative to leather, like I had said earlier. Uh, I know Hugo Boss actually did a shoe collection with them, so you can check them out. It's really, really beautiful, and you can dye uh, this material as well, and it, it turns out beautifully with when it takes color, so that's awesome. The next fiber I want to talk about is Tencel Lyocell, which Tencel is the branded version of Lyocell fiber, which is actually a little bit more sustainable than some of the just more generic Lyocell um, forms that are out there because Tencel comes from the pulp of trees, which is a dissolved in a non-toxic organic solvent. And the solution is extruded through fine holes to produce the fiber. And then the solvent is recycled in a closed-loop process, which means more than 99% of this solvent is recovered and reused, which is really, really good. And what is ensured by using Tencel is that they're not utilizing any harmful chemicals in this process, which is another thing that you want to look out for because if they're using harsh chemicals in the process of creating these fibers, that could mean that when this fiber gets to you, those chemicals are still on there and then it'll be touching your skin. Another benefit to 10-cell lyocell is that the forestry behind it is more sustainable than possibly other generic forms of lyocell. This means that when certain trees are harvested for their wood pulp, that they're not just wiping out entire forests and then not replanting or doing it in a sustainable manner that'll be beneficial to the environment. In addition to lensing Tencel, I found this awesome Tina tape yarn, it's called from Wool in the Gang, which they actually created a Tencel yarn made from eucalyptus trees, which is incredibly cool. Um, basically it's wood from sustainable har sustainably harvested eucalyptus trees that is then squished into a pulp before being pressed and spun into yarn. And what's awesome about this process is that the raw wood materials are cultivated from forest land that isn't suitable for agriculture. So they can't produce food on it anyways because the eucalyptus can grow where other trees can't. So basically this cuts down on unnecessary land use that could be used for food because they can't grow any here. A couple benefits of Tencel is that it's made with 100% renewable energy. It uses 80% less water than cotton. It is 100% vegan, and it is 100% biodegradable. Yay! Moving on from Tencel, the next fiber I wanted to talk to you guys about is called Reprieve, which Reprieve is a performance fiber made from recycled materials, including plastic bottles. So I, I read a little bit more into this process and basically what Reprieve does is they have a company that collects clear plastic bottles from processors around the country who will then shred them into these plastic flakes because obviously you can't just take whole plastic bottles and make them into clothing. And then what they'll do with these plastic flakes is they'll convert them into small pellets and then the pellets are melted and extruded and spun into polyester yarn just like you would any other synthetic fiber. 
So then you have basically this repurposed plastic that is turned into yarn, making it a closed loop system, which means that it uses less natural resources, which is yay, that's awesome. Reprieve actually makes three different types of recycled yarn. One that is 100% from used plastic bottles, one that is a hybrid of plastic bottles and fiber waste, and another one that is a hybrid of plastic bottles and used fabric. I read that since the brand has launched in 2009, that production has increased about 20% every year. And some of the brands that they have already been working with include Lane Bryant, Fossil, Patagonia, Piranha, Roxy, and Volcom, just to name a few. I have two more fibers that I want to talk to you guys about. This next one is probably the coolest I've seen thus far, utilizing another fruit. It's called Orange Fiber. So this is the world's first and only brand to produce a patented material from citrus juice byproducts repurposing them to create beautiful sensorial materials that reshape your sartorial experience. This fabric is formed from a silk-like cellulose yarn that can blend with other materials. And when it's used in its purest form, the resulting 100% citrus textile features a soft and silky hand, it is lightweight, and it can be opaque or shiny according to the needs of their designer. So I did some research on their website and they were talking about how the increase in food processing over the last 50 years has gradually generated just an incredible amount of non-edible byproducts from all this production. And so there's just a waste of our natural materials occurring over and over again. But the creation of this orange fiber has actually allowed them to reduce waste as well as pollution. By transforming the citrus juice byproducts into a new and sustainable product. So again, this goes back to that utilizing the closed loop system and basically taking materials that would have been discarded or thrown away and turning them into something new. Salvatore Ferragamo is the first fashion house to actually employ orange fiber fabrics, which is super exciting. This collaboration is born of a shared passion for creative innovation, sustainable design, and their beloved heritage of Italian excellence. The last innovative textile I'll be talking to you guys about today before we move into bacterial and living textiles is called Kralar. Kralar is farm-to-fiber production, which utilizes unique technology for USDA-designated 100% bio-preferred products, which dramatically reduce chemical and water usage. They like to call it dirt-to-shirt or plant-to-product, which they use an environmentally friendly process to produce the fibers with properties that are similar or superior to cotton, while also helping to protect the planet from a cycle of environmental harm. So their process really puts a spin on some of the oldest textile crops because they use bast fibers from flax and hemp and create basically a new material out of that. Their process starts with harvesting the plants where the fiber is then mechanically stripped from the stem. This raw fiber is like super tough and not something you would be able to really wear or use. So then what they do is they take this fiber and they transform it with their Kralar process into a softer, fluffier fiber made up of thousands of individual bast fibers. 
While the Crayolar fibers do feel and look a lot like cotton, they outperform cotton on almost every level, which is actually incredible. And these Crayolar fibers are generally blended with ratios of 20 to 40% with other fibers like cotton, tensile wool to enhance their quality and make them stronger, better, more durable. I also wanted to talk about just how, because this process is, you know, dirt to shirt, as they'd like to call it, the supply chain is more traceable because it's sticking with this process for a longer amount of time because they grow, they harvest, they transform, they produce. They're really invested in this process of the material, which allows them to keep a closer eye on it, which should be important to the consumer as well because we can know how this fiber is being produced and we're able to get information on it. That leads us into our next section, science rules. So I want to talk about bacterial and living material textiles. The first one we're going to discuss is called mycotex, and this comes from mushrooms. Aniela Hoetink writes, The world is dynamic, however our textiles are not. They have been with us all of our lifetime, but they do not have seemed to change much. In fact, we actually require them to remain exactly the same for as long as possible. Nowadays, our consumption rate is ever-increasing, and as part of such disposable culture, we hardly repair anything. Basically, Aniella is aiming to change the way that we use textiles, and by altering or adding properties to textiles, she's investigating how we can and will use textiles in the future and what the related implications will be. Aniella was able to take the mycelium, which is the root of the mushroom, and combine it with other textiles to create flexible composite products. Along this journey, she was able to develop a method for retaining flexibility without using traditional textile materials. Her experiments resulted in a fungi dress, which can be adjusted to adapt to fashion, and it also can be repaired when needed. And once the garment is not in use anymore, it can be easily composted because it's made of a living material. This was a way to possibly rethink future possibilities for fashion. Her thought was, why do we still make clothes that last for 40 years if we can only wear them for one or two? Mycotex shows a new way of producing textile and clothing. Because we can grow textiles, we can skip spinning yarns and weaving cloth, which is a huge step in the process otherwise. This environmentally friendly textile needs very little water and chemicals are absolutely unnecessary because of the material. And due to this fabric being 100% biodegradable, it's not going to cause any waste when it needs to be disposed of, which is awesome. I also found out that it uses 12 liters of water for creating one t-shirt compared to 2,500 gallons for a cotton t-shirt. So I would say that that is an improvement. Yay, mycotex. In addition to mycotex, I wanted to talk about microbial leather because this was the first, one of the first things that got me interested in kind of these innovative and like unique bacterial textiles. Microbial leather was founded by Suzanne Lee. She writes, microbial cellulose is a fascinating material. From one hugely efficient single production method, at least three direct products can be obtained a health drink, a foodstuff, and a potentially a vegetable material. In a process that takes about 10 days, the material can be harvested by simply lifting it off the liquid. So I actually tried to do this, and basically you're just making kombucha and then letting it sit for a long time. 
And what this will do is it'll basically create a leather-like material that you're able to sew into whatever you want. So quote unquote, because you can actually bind the, um, seams together on itself due to the nature of the textile. Suzanne also talks about bio couture as a way to open innovation and enable collaboration within the global biological materials that we really have access to that haven't been previously imagined. And I think this allows people to share educational tools and methods. Really, it's like open sourcing for different ways to utilize our natural resources. BioCouture envisions future manufacturing systems inevitably consisting of biodesigned living organisms forming engineered materials directly into finished biodegradable products, and they're extremely focused on that goal as well. Microbial leather is just a way for us all to start. It's really like a DIY experience for everybody. And that's what I got for you guys today. I hope you learned some things about some of the new innovative textiles that are hitting the the industry and pushing everybody forwards. I have to say one of my favorites is still Pina Text. I heard about that quite a while ago when I was doing some research on textiles and it just is absolutely intriguing to be able to a use a byproduct but then not any not create any additional waste from using that byproduct. That's just like the most beautiful closed loop system I've ever heard of. So I'll probably actually do an entire episode on closed loop production just because I find it absolutely fascinating. And I think that you guys would be really interested to hear about some of the companies that are working on closed loop processes, definitely some that you've even heard of before. So tune in in the next couple weeks to actually hear some more about that. It's now time for Fiber Word of the Week. This week I've got for you guys CHIP. And it falls in perfectly in line because we've just been talking about synthetic materials and how they are produced. So, CHIP, the form of polymer feedstock used in fiber production. And it says also see flake. So flake, the granule form in which cellulose acetate and triacetate polymers exist prior to dissolving or feeding into the extrusion or molding unit. So basically what a chip is, is the the quote-unquote plastic pellet before it gets melted and extruded into the actual synthetic yarn. So it's like the uh, initial steps of synthetic material, which is actually pretty relevant to what we were talking about today. So yay! Happy Fiber Word of the Week! Thank you guys so much for listening this week. I hope you learned a little bit about some of the new materials that are hitting the industry And next week, I hope to talk about closed loop production because I think it'll be a great move on from what we talked about this week since so many of these materials kind of work within a closed loop process. I'm Erin Schulenberg, your host, and don't forget you're listening to Thread and Roses, connecting the dots between fashion and society. podcast was produced by Aaron Schulenberg and Ethan McLeod. Intro and outro music by Kofi.